soon as you're born, they make you feel small. By giving you no time instead of it all. Till the pain is so big you feel nothing at all. A working class hero is something to be. A working class hero is something to be. They hurt you at home and they hit you at school. They hate you if you're clever and they despise a fool. Till you're so f***ing crazy you can't follow the rules. A working class hero is something to be. Working class hero is something to be. When they're tortured and scared you for twenty odd years, then they expect you to pick a career. When you can't really function, you're so full of fear. Working class hero is something to be. A working class hero is something to be. Keep you doped with religion and sex and TV. Think you're so clever and classless and free. But you're still f***ing peasants, as far as I can see. A working class hero is. You can contact James live on the air several different ways. You can call by phone, toll free in the United States and Canada at 888-863-2722. If you have internet access, point your browser to www.feettofire.com. That's www.feet2fire.com. And check the left of the screen for the How to Participate text and click. You can then choose Direct Chat with James or join the official group chat room. You can send email to James at f2f at ipsmediaworks.net. And now, live from Chicago, here is the Black Knight of Talk Radio, James Arthur Yancek. There's room at the top, they are telling you still. But first you must learn how to smile when you kill. If you want to be like the folks on the hill. Uh, John Lennon, uh, he was right on. He was dead right on. But I thought the song was fitting for our next guest, Alan Watt. Uh, he was on a few weeks ago and uh, brought up some very good points. Cuttingthroughthematrix.com is his website. Many CDs there, DVDs of his stuff. So 
we got a, a you know we're never going to cover a fraction of it. It's twelve hours per, per DVD. I was looking or CD. I was looking at uh, a lot of things. But when he was here last time, we brought up a touched with him, and I can't remember if it was on the air or off in our chatting. They touched up his ideas on the alien agenda being not actually an alien agenda, but actually being a uh, Illuminati slash um, powers that be uh, kind of a pretend scenario to get us to pretty much embrace a world dictatorship government as they protect us from those bad aliens. And we've heard, of course, uh, Reagan's speech and so forth. This is a, a very interesting point, and a lot of people who've been on my show haven't brought this part up. They talk about the aliens being real beings and so on. So I thought it would be great to have Alan back to talk about it. And welcome back to Feet the Fire, Alan. It's a pleasure to be here, yeah. Uh, so I, if we could, I mean, anything else that comes up along the way, kind of stream of consciousness uh, along the way, but I, I, I would like you to kind of develop this, because uh, we really need to know this. If, if we need to have options to find out what really is truth, and uh, to quote your name there, to cutting through the matrix, we want to cut through what is being pre-planned for us to see truth. And I have heard this before, but it, coming up, I think, with synchronicity to, to bring it up and, and really kind of, Laid out there for people. So it is your uh, contention or suspicion that this whole idea of aliens attacking us is a staged event to get us to allow um, to become a one-world order um, for our our own being. Yes, the um, it, it's not so hard to understand really when you understand that the world is always uh, or the future is always planned by those in control, and there's nothing staggering about that. Uh, the only staggering part is that the world is constantly fooled into believing that politicians run the show and that they stumble across problems and deal with them day by day, and nothing is further from the truth because power elites in all ages have always made sure that their offspring would run uh, the future. So they simply plan the future. And when you look at all of the tricks that we're up, they're up to in the, the 1800s, for instance, the big foundations which had arisen, uh, those various Rothschild foundations and uh, eventually the, the Rockefellers and the, uh, came up in the 1900s, and other ones shot up. They're all connected, and they all had an agenda of uh, basically running think tanks to promote ideas for the future, which they call predictive programming. And they hire authors to write science fiction and stuff like that, which initially puts in the thought, the idea of a possibility at, at, through an imaginative novel which captures you and, and, and uh, you write along on the imagination. So once it's in your head that this is a possibility, they then step up the process through entertainment especially, and uh, 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 eventually the entertainment creates a reality, at least in the people's minds who've, who've gone on this roller coaster. So it's not so difficult to understand how our minds and our imagination are captured and programmed to accept a possibility down the road from something which might not even exist. And even the ancients knew how to use this technique by using religion. Uh, we know that in every age you always get children who are scared of a closet in their bedroom, for instance, or, or thinking there's something under their bed, and they're not happy till the parents come in and open them and show them and say there's nothing there, see? Well, you see, it's the imagination that captures the possibility of something being there. 
and it won't be uh, dissipated until someone of superior rank comes along and and, uh, and admits that to you that it's quite safe. Uh, on the other hand, it can use that same technique, put in, interject the possibilities into your mind, and then promote it on a massive scale, especially through science fiction. And it's no big deal when you realize that the biggest authors and novelists have been funded by the big foundations. And even today, most of the big ones belong to what they call the Futurist Society. Uh, donations and funding comes from the foundations. And that's where they get the themes for their stories, which they, they, rent, they, they then uh, encapsulate in a novel form and, and sell to the public. Uh, that's predictive programming. Therefore, when something comes along in your lifetime, um, that, that, and otherwise would be bizarre, uh, you, you will think, well, I guess that's inevitable, it's, it's possible, and, and you accept it step by step until you've been completely fooled. Now, these are sciences which have always been understood, and uh, you can actually trace uh, various techniques through psychological um, institutes on these processes, which, uh, which are well understood. During the Cold War and even during World War II, um, you find that governments had so many secret projects on the go, for instance, that they not only fooled their opposing country, uh, Britain would fool Germany, uh, they would fake um, runways up and fake planes made out of plywood and cardboard even that were lacquered. But even the locals who could get within reach of viewing these craft wouldn't know if they were real or not. So the technique of fooling the people is, is quite an old idea. Well, you know, I guess I guess the difference in this time is not really different. Like you mentioned about the uh, going back in time with the lacquered uh, plywood, is that we're looking at, well, wait a minute, how could they possibly have spaceships that beam things up and do all this stuff and creatures that look all funny? But in every time frame, if this group of people are, you know, 20, 30 years ahead of the rest, well, they can always come up with something that's going to be supernatural or, or, or super Absolutely. science, yeah. and it'll appear to be magical or far apart, but really it's only, you know, 50 years or whatever it is ahead. Yeah, Arthur C. Clarke was one of their main uh, novelists for uh, predictive programming uh, for the elite, the man who did 2001 and 2010. And he himself said... That, uh, that magic is only science that the public don't understand yet. And in other words, they're so far ahead uh, with their sciences, and that's how you maintain power. You never share the latest with the public. Whatever the public actually get to, to buy from the shelves is always obsolete. Uh, and, and the high levels, uh, like Area 51, uh, they're way, way ahead in the sciences. And even from professors down, they don't know either. Uh, that's how this technique works so well. It's only those who are chosen to come into these projects who eventually get in on the know if they're trustworthy. We have a, a quick fast blast from Alex. Uh, it says, were the Brothers Grimm with their stories predictive programmers for 200 years ago doing the job that TV does today? Uh-huh. A... Um, you're breaking up a little bit there. Uh I'm sorry, is this better? Is this... That's all I caught, actually. Is this better? That's a bit better, yeah. Okay, just let me know, because it kind of fluctuates the way the system works. 
Uh, coming in from Alex on our Fast Blast line, were the Brothers Grimm with their stories, the predictive programmers from 200 years ago, doing the job that TV does today? Yeah, they're very similar, in fact, because as I say, the, the, you see, you have you have a subconscious mind, and you also have what they call the unconscious, where uh, all ideas, rough ideas, are, are seeding around in this big unconscious sea, you might say. Um, and so when something is familiar or you identify with something, it's because the idea is already innate, what they call archetypal symbols. They're already within you. And so all, all these fairy stories have the same types of story uh, with the hero, the anti-hero, um, the shadow figures, as Jung called it, and so on. So, so yeah, they understood the science of the mind uh, pretty well, even back then. It's, it's not a, a, a new science. It's a very old science, the, the understanding of the mind. It was understood thousands of years ago by those who used religions in India, and uh, they even wrote about how they created religions for different areas in India uh, after studying the inhabitants of a select area. They would literally purpose make a religion to suit the mindset of the people already there. So uh, another blast coming in on that, what would be the difference between the creator and the great architect of the universe and also being having enlightenment or being illuminated or illumined? illumined? Uh, on, on there's different levels of understanding. For the Mason, he would think he was illumined once he simply got into the secrets, which would explain uh, certain things within society which he noticed but didn't understand. In other words, he just taught the inner meanings Whereas the ancients, of course, always talked about uh, someone who was illumined as simply someone who had a numinous experience, as they call it, which is a, a, um, a paranormal type experience, where suddenly, on their own, without uh, things being explained to them, they saw through things, they broke through. So there's, there's a truth of uh, illumined as far as understanding goes, the light goes on in the head. And there's also the Masonic way, which is a taught thing. Uh, and it also depends on which level you get to as to what truth you're told, because there's only little bits of truth given out in any particular degree. And even then, uh, even up to the 33rd, these are the lower uh, orders. Uh, so you don't get to the truth until you're about the 40th degree. That's why life begins at 40. <laughs> yeah, I guess, in many ways. Yeah. But but now, uh, so one of the if if one was listening to you, they could skip ahead and say, well, wait a minute, is God an invention? I mean, is there really a God? Is there really somebody who is a good a good spirit, a good, or is this are we just animals? Or the whole religion? I, I don't mean religion, but I mean actual spirituality and a God. Is that simply an invention? Well, you first just have to define God. Number one. Now, you could have ten people sitting discussing God and all saying God is good. And they'd all agree. And God takes care of his own, and they'd all agree. Uh, God hates the wicked, and they'd all agree. And yet you could all be sitting talking about a different deity. Right. You understand it's a generic name. And um, uh, every God in the past was a God. It's a generic term, and it's made purposely that way. God comes from the word good in English. God is good. Okay, well, I guess uh, to define that, I would point to a, a real source 
of all things as opposed to a uh, something that invented by humans to explain the unknown? Uh, well, I think that there's always an innate part in everyone. Uh, almost, uh, you could actually see an intuition. Some people might see a suspicion, but of something else beyond them. However, it can be codified into a standard because an experience a person would get, for instance, can be given to someone else. It cannot be given to them. That's what religion is for, is for people to believe on faith that someone else had the experience. This is a difference between religion and the experience. Only the experiencer would know on a personal level, and yet they couldn't really share it. That's a very important distinction, because even though that's why someone would stand up in a church and have an experience, and people would like that, because it would then underline the the reality of their, oh, you see, there's one who had experience. Now, they may never have, and they'll lament, well, maybe I should try harder, or I could be gooder, or I could I can do all that stuff, and I would have an experience, too. There's almost no difference between a uh, a generic Baptist church and uh, the idea of having um, degrees of masonry, masonry, because it's... It's the same thing, actually, in fact, yeah. every church, when you look at it, and you understand the symbols and the altar and everything else, and the aisle and the nave, uh, everything is a Masonic structure within that church, in fact. Uh, that's why you have the steeple. The steeple is the phallus. You go through the steeple to get to the box. That's the main hall. It's the male, the female. Uh, it, it's all Masonic. It's a very, very old religion that was tacked on a couple of thousand years ago uh, to be renewed. It's the same religion over and over. So actually, I, I want to... Um get back a little bit to this alien agenda. Uh, so when people say they've been abducted, or, yeah, yeah. What, how would you, uh, I mean, other than people who are, are lying or people who are, are crazy who are, but let's say somebody you know is a real, you know, you guy down the street and you know him and you kind of, you're kind of familiar with him or uh, it's, you would think that you would know the person and they have an experience. I mean, are there really groups from, uh, we'll say, a, the powers that be or Illuminati's or what have you, that are going around staging abductions uh, to, as, uh, you know, kind of... Here's the problem with, okay. with this. It's quite simple, really. Um, even if you have an experience, um, you can't... Now that we know, for instance, uh, through people like Nick Bagage, who was chosen to show to the public a lot of very high-tech, advanced equipment, which was actually obsolete. Equipment that could project into an individual's head voices or maybe even a picture. Um, he showed this on the national television in Canada on Wendy Mesler's show uh, a few years ago. And each device that he showed on this table was, was about the size of a handheld television remote. And uh, you put it in your pocket. It had to be solid-state circuitry, and yet he said, he said this stuff is all obsolete. It was made in the 1950s and used by the CIA, or at least divisions of the CIA. You know yourself, everything is, is seg- uh, it's segments and cells within every organization. Um, so even if you have an experience knowing that they have this technology, nowadays you could never be certain 
if it was a real experience, if it was a psychotic episode, or if it was scientifically induced. That's the problem. Well, that's and, and that's what I, I I listen to people talking about mind control, and something popped into my mind. And of course, my next that goes to my next question is how do I know what comes in my mind is coming in from uh, the higher intelligence of a, of a God structure? But before we go there, what comes in my what my mind is that mind control is not necessarily erasing things in your mind, but implanting or polluting your mind with things that would be incriminating or uh, would lose credibility. So they would implant things, and, and so people would, would have an, an abduction experience, and that's really kind of a, um, a a combination of perhaps some kind of pharmaceutically enhanced uh, hypnosis or something like that that would put this experience in there very real. I mean, they're, they're telling the truth. They would pass a lie detector test and what have you, but it wasn't real. So how do we oh, know yeah. what is real? That's exactly it. That's the problem. You'd have to, on an individual basis, and only the person that had it could possibly try and analyze it, and even then still put it in a question box. Uh, they'd have to say, why would they pick me? Where did they pick me when it happened? Uh, now, the thing is, too, just like any religion, when it's promoted, and it's something which is a fantastic experience or bizarre, um, and, and sure enough, the abduction stuff was really pushed from the top to all the novels and books and talk shows and so on. Uh, you can also have a lot of people who are suggestible who will unload this, they'll download this information in their head, and over a period of time it becomes real to them. They're very suggestible, like Aldo Huxley said. 60% are instantly suggestible. That's why advertising works. And so... Uh, they did tests, for instance, in Britain and other countries, and they found the same conclusions with the same uh, subjects. They had to test subjects. Um, half of the subjects claimed they had abduction experiences, and they took another random selection of people who had no memory of any abduction experience. They gave them all hypnosis, and uh, sure enough, the ones who claimed they had abductions Came up with the story, the same story you'd read in the paper, starting with uh, Barney and Betty Hill. That was the first time it was publicized uh, worldwide. That story, that was the implant, and and uh, the other test group, of course, had no recollection recollection of it um, under hypnosis. They found that 80% of them could relate the same events, and what they could, concluded was that through the years of reading these stories. Uh, the message was implanted already in their subconscious. Yeah. All right, well, hold on. We're going to take a break, and we'll, we'll continue talking with Alan Watt. The alien agenda is kind of the the, um, the thing we're, we're, we're talking about, but it, it's open to all adjacent ideas of of about this, the, this elite race who's been leading us around by the nose for thousands of years. When we come back, I want to find out how do we know, I mean, like for example, I'm going to ask Alan how he knows that what he's saying is not being given to him and that he is a perhaps another family, quote-unquote, fighting against the other family, and he is uh, being trained or training us to go, you know, actually be a slave to someone else. So we will be back live, feet to the fire, right after this. We are back live with Alan Watt, and welcome back to the show, Alan. 
Yes, I can hear you. Yeah. How would uh, so? How would the one? How would we know? Say we're listening to you. Okay, and you got some pretty good stuff. And like, okay, it's cool. Well, how do we know that you're not from another one of these families who are coming in to get us to see through the other family? I use the word family like the old mafia thing. Like the, you know, well, I would even want to start going on to that track because it's still verifying something which isn't verified, which is aliens in the first place. Well, what? well the, the verify, I mean, the verifying is a good point because you can't verify really any, much of anything because of there's, there's secretness to it, there's, there's pollution. There's got to be some inner guiding truth light, some inner guiding truth that one has to be able to lock onto and it can trust and use that type of infrastructure to compare everything else that we read, sense, and feel even to make sure against. There's got to be some kind of grounding or it it's all almost doesn't matter. Well, it's, there's two ways to look at it. Um, for one thing, uh, the last thing people want to do is to look at themselves. Personally, that's how they are. Um, secondly, most people would rather chase fiction forever because it fascinates them and makes them feel good. Their ego is syntonic. This is understood at the top. So they will do that which they enjoy doing and procrastinate or deny that which is unpleasant. So um, that's why they spend their lives chasing the front people who are put out there to push this whole alien idea, which blends in with the whole New Age phenomenon, which they talked about creating in the 1800s in think tanks in London, which they've done. And they created a whole New Age movement that blends Hinduism, um, past life experiences, reincarnation, um, all of that stuff together, soul travel, uh, astral travel and of course aliens all into the same bag uh, they said they would do it they have done it it's been successful most of it was promoted uh, through the culture creation industry of music movies uh, science fiction movies which are really good there's no doubt about it they're well done it grabs their imagination implants the idea and uh, in past ages of course they had demons they would visit people, and uh, you get burnt as a witch. Today, uh, it's in, a, in a scientific age, it's rocket ships and aliens and flying saucers. And it's the same thing. It's something visiting the people, and uh, many of the people who are suggestible uh, grab this and, and run with it as though it's an ultimate truth. They don't go into a, a logical thought process of investigation and read their histories before they start believing in something. They don't think about uh, uh, the movie that kicked off the whole thing, which was the day the Earth stood still, where a UFO comes and lands in the White House lawn, and uh, Michael Rennie, the actor, comes out as a, a visitor from another planet who's promoting world unification through the United Nations, because people are just simply too barbaric and nationalistic to get along with each other, and so they'd have to give up all their rights to live in peace. That's what kicked it off. And about the same time, the first sighting, supposedly, of UFOs over the White House happened, uh, and it was reported by a pilot who just happened to, be, to have just been discharged from the CIA. And then in the 60s, we had the Barney Betty Hill 
They got at least two or three pages in every newspaper worldwide. Why was that promoted to such an extent worldwide when there's people every day who come out with uh, such kind of stories? It's because it was meant to be, it was to put the idea in our heads uh, for, for a, a coming time, which is now. Then they brought out the Star Trek series, which gave us lots of, downloaded lots of information into us. And then they came out with Eric von Daniken, the chariots of the gods. And once again, across the whole planet, it was, it was, my God, these, these ancient Aztecs had craft, they could fly in space, and here's the pictures of them, and rock carvings. And this was pushed through three or four different books that the man supposedly wrote and um, being promoted as a fact until some enterprising journalist from England went out looking through Mexico, found the guy who was carving the stuff for Von Daniken and selling them for a few pesos each. And that, was, that fell flat, but it don't stop. And it's still on the go today. And now it's part and parcel of what is taken for granted is the new religion, the whole new age movement for the age of Aquarius. Well, one thing you, you say that it's very true when looking now is that these some of these things have been talked about many years ago, about, you know, the think tank reports and so forth. You can look in the past and say, wait, they were talking about this and now it really happened, 9-11, etc. But what I'm thinking is that um, I'll hear something, somebody will say something, and inside me I'm get, I get a reaction, kind of a yes or a no, or a yeah but, or a no but, and I, and I follow this little, this lead and I am led to things that expose, we'll call them lies or um, agendas, or I find things that uh, underlying and keep pointing toward truths. So my my thing is is that, I, and the reason why I really like talking with you on there is I, I can feel, I can sense from internally that you do have a good sense at cutting these things. So, of course, I want to I ask you more, and I want to throw more questions at you and then have you parse them, you can slice them, and it comes back, and I start to form, we'll say, a three-dimensional graph of your looking at life, and I can take your how you look at it and, and incorporate it in with mine and start to look at it. But you see how I'm all doing it internally. So how does one internally do the? First, they're going to have to admit, like, I, I need to learn this. I need to learn what is truth, and then they have to internally train themselves and tune themselves and then go out and, and, and go through all this stuff and watch how they internally react with it. Yeah, but they have to educate themselves, too. It's one thing to take thing on something on faith, and that's how this whole thing is promoted. It captures the imagination. It's exciting. It's extra mundane. And so people catch on to it, since most of us have pretty mundane lives in this world. And it seems exciting. Uh, and the, the books are never-ending. It is tremendous. I mean, if I wanted to, to really make money, um, I'd have no problem doing so because the market has been made for you to walk into and churn out these kind of books, but I don't do that. Mm. I, I don't encourage the lies and the deception uh, that's promoted from the top. And what I, what I also want to mention is that you mentioned Star Trek, for example, and I've been a pretty good fan of Star Trek. I really like it, and what I find in there, I find a lot of things that point me toward truth. Now, here's my question. If someone's going to really do a, a real good lie, my guess 
the sense that perhaps if I can assert that we all have, whether we use it or not, or whether it's weak or whether it's uh, atrophy or not, we all have like a truth meter in us. We're, we vibrate or we're attracted to or run from, but we still sense truth. The best way to lie would be to tell as much truth as possible. And the lie be placed in there in such a way as to lie just a little at the perfect spot to totally derail the person. Maybe they can derail them a little at a time so they kind of just drift apart. But in that same aspect is that they are telling us truth as well. And we can kind of look, weed through that stuff in spite of their attempts and learn truth. You already would know the truth. If you did take the common truth and wrap it in the story, that's your bait. In other words, they understand your logic. Okay. So they must have human stories which you can relate to, even though they take it somewhere else off planet and uh, wrap it into aliens and so on. Um, if you look at the Star Trek series, for instance, uh, we know that Rodenbury, uh, who ran that whole series, uh, was a high Freemason. He was a member of NASA. He was allowed to sit in on NASA think tanks, and part of the NASA program is projecting the future, where it will be 50 years, 100 years down the road. And he incorporates some of the sciences they were working on into his fictional movies, uh, stuff that we wouldn't see till about now, of course, with the computers and all the rest of it. Um, even the cell phone, they had a cell phone a little communicator there, uh, that all came from NASA. They already had these things a long time ago. And his idea was to predict the programmers into the, the world they were creating because the world of aliens and all the different conflicts they had and reconciliations was to do with the Starship Enterprise. Now, remember, part of the U.S. logo on the Great Seal is that blesses on this Enterprise. You also have the, the, the United States ship Enterprise, the big carrier. And, of course, the, the, the prize, Enterprise ship that was traveling through space, supposedly, um, on Star Trek, was, on, it was, on, it was there on behalf of the, the, the global government of Earth. Uh, and its whole idea was to bring other worlds which represented countries into the Galactic Federation. And what it was teaching you was the new world to come of multiculturalism and how we must all adapt to each other. This was a training exercise, a basic educational training exercise, psychologically produced, put into fictional form, and sold to us as entertainment, which was very good. It was well, very well done, and it pretty well achieved its objective. So, what, but what is wrong with accepting one another? I mean, that, that to me would be a good thing to do to allow people to be who they're going to be. And, and, and maybe go under the code of not harming another. Like, you know, if, if you want to be a jerk... Well, let's get back to the point of it. The fact is it was done deceptively, number one. What did, what, the, what's the deceptive part of that? The deceptive part, they didn't come out and say, this is really the world we're talking about. The Enterprise is the planet. The Galactic Federation that you must join. You know, it's all the one, the, the, the planet that didn't join the, the trading federation, remember? the special privileges if you joined. Anyone who didn't want to join it was a bad guy. Did you notice that? Yeah, or they, or even if you were a good guy you didn't want to join, you were now going to be beaten up by the Klingons, who are the bad guys. They're bad guys, because they clung on to the past. That's why they were called Klingons. They were primitive. 
Mm. This was the United Nations they were programming into the public through fiction. Now, if they can do that through fiction, they can make you believe anything through fiction. Uh, one year ago, the best example was actually admitted to uh, in a form, a sense, on CBC television in Canada when they brought over the, the, the new episodes of the longest-running daily soap ever produced on the planet, and that's Coronation Street, began, I think, in the 1960s. And that series was a Tavistock creation, the Tavistock Institute, where they knew what future they were going to build for the public, and therefore they, they worked out through drama form all the conflicts they would have as they gradually changed society right down to the family unit, and all the conflicts they would have. And what happens with the public, they mimic or emulate that which they see. And so when they have the same scenarios happening in their own family, uh, as the changes that happened in Britain were to come, uh, actually happened, they would emulate how the, the performers on, on uh, the series worked out the problem the same way. And here in Canada, they showed us the staff that were on Coronation Street, they had professional psychiatrists um, working on the scripts, professional psychologists, sociologists, divorce lawyers, every specialist you can imagine in the human sciences to put out a soap opera because it, 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 this, this is how they plan and, and download into your mind uh, all the, the predictive programming that you will experience in real life as you go through life, and you will emulate that which you see. The and world is always planned in advance. So one of the blessings in disguise for me is uh, I, I, I have difficulty reading. I mean, I could read, but it, it takes a lot of work. And I stopped watching television in the 90s yeah. and stopped watching movies for the most part. Uh, and it, it, it would be coincidental that I started seeing through a lot of things. So when I did glance at something, I kind of saw through it. Mm -hmm. And it's so, but people who have been uh, watching uh, TVs and movies for many years and who have been drinking aspartame and and uh, following particular diets and all this stuff, they're all being groomed or uh, destroyed. Yeah. Well, all right, so that, all right, that, that's the message. Um, so... What, how does one? How does one? Because uh, last time we were around, we talked about the Matrix, and and you pointed out some things there that I missed when I saw it. How does one really then get out of it, or can one really get out of it, or is to is one getting out of it actually, you know, like living on top of a mountain by themselves and hunt grizzly or something? I mean, is is it that bad that you can't get away, or is death the only escape? Uh, you know, what, it depends what you're really after, you see, what you're after. Um, the reason people can be so easily led by religions, by ideologies that are given to them and sold to them, is because they don't... Many people want to be led, number one. They want someone else, a tribal leader, if you like, the hero figure, to take care of all their problems for them and let them play, go play. That's what socialism is, is perpetual childhood. And you can actually encourage it, of course, and that has been done through governmental programs and especially education. They've trained generations 
to be good little immature people who simply acquire and work hard and pay out, as long as they pay out big taxes for the boys at the top, they're good citizens, and just entertain yourselves and play. Leave all the, the big important things to your betters, to the specialists, to the experts, as uh, Huxley and others talked about. Bertrand Russell, he said that too. Uh, he said shortly people will be unable to to, um, to work out anything for themselves or reason out. He said everything will be told to them by the experts. Right. That's the society that government has fostered intentionally because it's easier to manage children than mature, thinking, rational adults. You know, and, and that's good. Uh, a good point is I got a problem with experts. Not really getting me to think about myself because I've always had a problem with authority and experts. I've always questioned why. And even though I may, we'll call it fall for something for a while, there will be this little growing thing in it. And now, so why does that happen? Why does that happen in me? Why does it happen even more refined in you? I mean, why me and why the next one? No. I mean, there's, these are the questions I'm wondering. Like, why? I, I think some people have an innate need to understand not only the world around them, but themselves too. And you compare yourself with others. Now, sanity, according to the, the average person, would be if you held the same opinions and maybe beliefs as your neighbors. You bounce off your ideas from them to them, and if they come back in the affirmative, then you'll say, well, I must be sane because they accept me and no fighting goes on. Uh, however, the same people who run the world can tell you the earth is flat for a few hundred years after the fact, after they knew that it was round. The ancient Greeks wrote about it, it was round. The Catholic Church had all the documentation, so they made it flat again, so that became the norm, and everyone bounced it off and says, the world's flat, isn't it? This is, yep, yep, what you were saying, yeah. And now it's round again. And in other words, most people will take what they're given by authority figures and simply parrot it. It saves them the, the trouble of having to figure it out themselves. And they're scared. They're scared to be different. But one of the problems for seeking truth or questioning authority is you're going to be in for a bumpy ride in life because everyone wants you just to go along, to fit right in, to yeah. follow the program. Especially the schools, because they are on the lookout. And they have been for a long time now. For those with rational abilities critical thinking abilities, and maybe even leadership abilities, especially the males. And they're just sticking them on Ritalin, and that damages the brain. We know this. They know this, too. They knew before they gave it to the children, and they're locking out potential leaders, which once again makes it much easier to control the future if they don't have people with leadership abilities to come forth. This is intentional. Uh, when you read even the Soviet incredible psychology used by the Soviet regime, knowing that, that what they wrote about and what's been exposed now from them uh, was also known in the West. Uh, and then you apply those things to what you understand that has been happening in your own lifetime to yourself and others, and it all begins to make sense. They have been using these techniques on everyone uh, since long before I was born, in fact. So, yeah, we are composite people uh, that are basically made up and approved and stand approved and numbered. We're all numbered uh, for a very uh, efficient society. We're not terribly efficient at the moment. We're better than we used to be. And But they want to go to the next step, which is to uh, 
eliminate the possibility of people breaking through, wisening it up, and saying, hey, enough. And that's what we're encouragement through movies and so on to the eventual brain chip is going. And this is a this is a certainty. It's not a it's not a possibility. It's a certainty they're going there. So as you look into the future, do you think I mean this is kinda of halfway unfair, but do you think, I mean, inside, Alan Watt, when you're sitting around backyard and looking at looking out at a tree or whatever, you're relaxing, do you think that there is hope for true freedom of breaking this and becoming free thinkers or is it or do you think it's possible for some or I mean do you think there's any hope for the planet as a whole to grow up to that next step to become we're going to be or no I don't say it would be possible for everyone to wake up that's never happened in history uh, the bulk of the populace will always go along with what they call popular opinion popular opinion is what's promoted and approved from the top so what you have is an elite crew at the top and with all their psychopathic helpers uh, who are well paid to manipulate the public and fool the public uh, and enforce laws on the public, regardless of whatever that law may be. And then you have uh, in between the, the, the mass of the population, you have another small group who don't have the finances, don't have the psychopathic traits, and don't have the power and, and they're stuck between because, because the mass as well uh, will turn against you if you're too different from them. Uh, that's another problem which we cannot deny. Uh, the mass are so easy to manipulate. We saw people during various wars getting beaten up if they happened to be German or Korean or Japanese or whatever else happened to be uh, by people from the masses within Western countries. Um, so the mob will turn on people uh, instinctively, almost intuitively, because it's been projected into them that these people are bad. Uh, they take propaganda easily, they're downloaded easily, and it, and it works through them very easily. They don't rationalize or think very, very deeply about things. They react to things. That's why um, you can get a psychopath who decides to have a war and, and then he's just surrounded by another bunch of uh, inbred psychopaths who can take a whole country to war. And where did they get all the people to go to war from? They get it from uh, Joe and Jane Blow, from, from their offspring, and they send their offspring to war. And very few people complain. The masses accept it. They tolerate it. Well, where's the logic and critical analysis there? They also accept the fact that the government, this this strange, abstract creation, which they all serve. They serve government. It's not the other way around. They can put them in prison if they don't go to war, or they stop their children from going to war. Uh, if you want godhood, I would say look at those guys at the top, because that's what they mean when they speak about God. They're talking about themselves. Yeah. And they know uh, what's best for us, and and if we fight them or we don't do them, it's like, you know, how dare you? You uh, people low down there, you don't know. And how, you know, you, how dare you? And you're, you're, you're going you're gonna to go along with us or you're going to be a trouble. And so they destroy you or imprison you or what have you. But they themselves. And government, you see, this is the thing, too. The technique that's been used uh, since the la- after the World War II, especially, was to always show us 
dictators uh, like Fidel Castro uh, or Hitler or Mussolini um, in uniforms, or Max Tsitsong even, always in uniforms. So the people have been, and it's all, they always show you the same stuff. Uh, every year you see umpteen shots of the same things over and over to make sure we get that because they want us to associate uh, the psychopathic leaders and dictators and tyrants with a uniform. And so our presidents and prime ministers come out in business suits and ties, the respectable, masonically approved garb of the good, you see. And we don't realize when we listen to the same speeches given by the guys in the suits and ties that the Mussolinis and the Hitlers and the Stalins and the Lenins all gave, we don't associate them with all being the same, but they are the same. One of the things that... Psychology again, too. One of the things that I uh, really helped me out is when I went and visited a few different countries in Europe, I uh, got to realize that the people are, are, are people, and, it, and it's um, the governments or the particular groups or areas that are arranging them into something that they're not. They're just people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wherever you go, uh, the ordinary people are still the ordinary people. They have the same hopes, ambitions, dreams. Uh, family problems, family loves, all those things, and and they care about each other, and that's the bottom line. It's, again, in our system, and this could be a trait that's always been here, uh, we do have psychopaths. Uh, psychopaths are almost a separate species because they don't have what we think of as empathy for other people. They're born like this. Now, it's also intensified when they're born into families that are inbred. And we know that the elite in all ages are always inbred. They, 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 their, their wives are very often their cousins, sometimes their nieces. And if you have the, the traits of a psychopath uh, being inbred over and over, you're guaranteeing the same offspring. And, and these people are vicious to, to, when it comes to protecting their system. And they have the power to do so, which is the monetary power there is so-called respect at the top of the countries. Often, they're the national symbols of the country, in fact. So you have psychopaths who have no empathy. Uh, they have an innate cunning. They understand how humanity works in ticks, but they don't feel what you feel. Uh, they emulate what they see, so they're very good actors. But psychopaths always en- end up looking for more and more power, their speeches become almost primitive when they try to use the old symbolic type uh, vernacular. They get us all stirred up to go and fight the foe. They call them the same demons. Uh, um, they, they use the same kind of speech in the, with their scripts, the script writings. And it's the same old stuff. Until And even when they're caught lying about weapons of mass destruction, etc., um, and it's exposed on the same media, you'll see them saying the same things the following week without blushing, without blinking an eye. You see, normal people could not do that. But psychopaths do that every day. So we're run by deviants. Deviants are in charge, and it can only be this way in a monetary system, a monetary system where profit is at the top of the totem pole. That's the, the God Almighty which means that profit comes from those beneath or from someone's future work. That's what investment's all about. 
We worship those that get to the top by any means possible, and they become stars, and we are told to emulate them. Well, that's a psychopath at the top. Oh, yes. You said it excellent. Right, hold on a minute. If I can hold you over here, uh, we're having difficulty getting hold of our next guest, and I, I had asked if you could stay for a while, and you, and you agreed. I appreciate that. So if you could just hold on, we're going to take a break at the top of the hour and, and then continue. All right, hold on. Uh, Alan Watt is here sharing us his wisdom. Your phone lines are open, by the way. It's great to listen to, but I, I'd like to have some of you throw some questions out at him because when you pose the question, that's your brain working, and then when, when uh, it's answered and, and, and talked to, that's another perspective that you can put in there. So give us a call the next hour. We'll be back after these breaks. I don't have to tell you things are bad. Everybody knows things are bad. It's a depression. Everybody's out of work or scared of losing their job. The dollar buys a nickel's worth. Banks are going bust. Shopkeepers keep a gun under the counter. Punks are running wild in the street. and There's nobody anywhere who seems to know what to do, and there's no end to it. We know the air is unfit to breathe, and our food is unfit to eat. We sit watching our TVs while some local newscaster tells us that today we had 15 homicides and 63 violent crimes, as if that's the way it's supposed to be. We know things are bad, worse than bad. They're crazy. It's like everything everywhere is going crazy, so we don't go out anymore. We sit in the house, and slowly the world we're living in is getting smaller, and all we say is, please, at least leave us alone in our living rooms. Let me have my toaster and my TV and my steel-belted radios, and I won't say anything. Just leave us alone. Well, I'm not going to leave you alone. I want you to get mad. I don't want you to protest. I don't want you to write. I don't want you to write to your congressman because I wouldn't know what to tell you to write. I don't know what to do about the depression and the inflation and the Russians and the crime in the street. All I know is that first, you've got to get mad. You've got to say, I'm a human being. God damn it. My life has value. So, I want you to get up now. I want all of you to get up out of your chairs. I want you to get up right now and go to the window, open it, and stick your head out and yell, I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. Then we'll figure out what to do about the depression and the inflation and the oil crisis. But first, get up out of your chairs, open the window, stick your head out and yell, and say, I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. I'm not going to take it anymore! 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 I'm not
You can contact James live on the air several different ways. You can call by phone, toll free in the United States and Canada at 888-863-2722. If you have internet access, point your browser to www.feet2fire.com. That's www.feet, the digit two, fire.com. And check the left of the screen for the how to participate text and click. You can then choose direct chat with James or join the official group chat room. You can send email to James at f2f at intersites.com. That's f2f at i-n-n-e-r-s-i-t-e-s dot com. There is a video chat room to see James in action as well as other F2F listeners. www.ivisit.com has the free software to download and access the Feet to Fire video chat room. And now, live from Chicago, here's the Black Knight of Talk Radio, James Arthur Johnson. All right, we're back and we're live. We still have with us Alan Watt. Now, uh, Brent Miller is our normal guest at this time. We have checked, he has checked in. And, and so since we left Alan kind of abruptly, I don't want to just pick up on him. And he, uh, so I, I bring him back here. Uh, thanks, Alan, for uh, sticking around. We, we do have a, a, a caller, so maybe if I can take this call for you. They called for you. We can take the caller in and then we can kind of wrap it up and you can tell people how they can get a hold of you and so on. So let me... Uh, Hello, you're live on the air, Feet to Fire with Alan Watt. Hi, how are you doing? Good, how are you? Yeah, very good, thanks. Um, my name is Robert. I, I'm calling from Nova Scotia, Canada. Uh, I have a question. It's kind of un- unrelated to uh, what you were talking about, but uh, just something I thought of today. I was just wondering if Alan could comment on uh, what's, uh, what might be the significance of uh, like Mick Jagger and Elton John being given knighthood by Queen Elizabeth. and Is it because of their lifestyles and roles in their entertainment and how it's benefited as a cause of culture formation by the global elite. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. It was to do with the fact that they promoted that drug culture. They helped further destroy the family unit that was part of it, uh, the free love, free sex, all that kind of stuff. And, uh, yeah, that's why they were invited for doing so. Okay, thank you. All right, thank you for calling. So is that is that when 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 people are knighted, they're not, uh, from the outside, so to speak? Is that something they've they've done very good to support the cause? So they kind of bring them in a little bit and give them a little cookie. You do when you get into a higher Freemasonry, you're now in a noble order, uh, so you've climbed the ladder even higher. But yeah, you've served a cause because the whole movement was approved from uh, the British government in at the top, at least the Secret uh, Service working on behalf of the, what they call the establishment in England, that is the, the ruling elite of England. They exist, all right. You don't vote them in, but they've never lost control. So they decide the future. They decided the family stood in the way of government uh, and the individual. So to get the family out of the way, uh, they would simply disrupt it and destroy the causes for even mating or marrying and all that kind of stuff. Well, I, I, get, I, I do appreciate you coming by here, and I, I want to have you back uh, on a uh, regular basis as far as I could uh, 
as we can we can work it out in our schedules because the people are definitely interested in hearing what you say. I am definitely interested. I mean, I have guests on here, and I learn things from guests here and there and so on. But what I like about you is is your way of thinking is uh, is good. I, I like how you think and how you, I call it parsing the data, and that that's kind of refreshing because most people have, we'll say, an agenda to push, and maybe it's a good one, maybe it's a nice one, maybe they believe it, and so on. It's like your agenda, quote unquote, is finding agendas, and and, and like, kind of like right. you got to think for yourself. That's the bottom line. And that, it really is going to be that's going to be our 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 hope. Our our savior is going to be us. It, it's uh, and it's no disrespect to uh, of God or Jesus or what have you, uh, because if you read the real principles contained within a lot of great philosophies. They are talking about us doing the right thing, seeking truth, and, and not just following. Um, in fact, uh, I joke around about Jesus. Uh, the only person he really got mad at was that was the actual church that was supposedly was 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 carrying the name of God. And it's when it's when we actually find truth, it will set you free. You can't be afraid of it. Uh, it you have to kind of let go of those untruths that you find comfortable. To allow in truth, and when you do that, it may be scary at first because you've been told it's scary, and you might go to hell, or you might not be picked or favored. But it really is better when you live real. And the only way you can do it is try it. Yeah, it truly is. I mean, it's a, a tremendous burden lifts from you when you break through all this, and it, there's a joy in being able to think and rationalize and understand by yourself. Yeah, it's just I'm, one of the things when I went through my, my metamorphosis is I, I found myself saying, I just like being me. I mean, I could yes. sit, sit there and say, okay, here I am, and just sit there. And there's a joy in that where before you had to be something or do something or have somebody or give yourself to somebody, and now you just you just are, and it's good enough. It's good enough. That's the way it should be, absolutely. And if you think about how they talk about God being his name being I am, when they wanted to give him a name of some kind of all-powerful or all-ruler or all-whatever, his response is, well, I say he, I just have it, is, I am. You are. Just being has got an enjoyment. So I really appreciate you taking the time with us and uh, staying a little bit over and so on and being available to share this so people can start thinking for themselves. And that there's a lot of people out there who are looking amongst the sheep to find sheep to be their sheep, and somehow being their sheep is better than being the other sheep. And really the answer is not being sheep. And I really think that you uh, you definitely bring data in for people to help them. So I really appreciate it. Yeah, that's right. We've got to get rid of the good shepherds because if we are sheep, then we have to be fleeced and eaten. That's our function. So we've got to stop. We've got to see these shepherds for who they really are. And that analogy is pretty good. <laughs> least than eaten, yeah? Okay. Yeah, it's a wolf in the sheep's clothing. Yeah. All right, well, again, I appreciate it. And can you tell people how to get a hold of you? Uh, you have a lot of goodies online. It's uh, cuttingthroughthematrix.com. We do have links to that, but uh, tell people if there's anything else, uh, how they can get a hold of uh, information for you, from you. Yeah, there's other sites there, too. There's, there's the com, the net, and the org, and there's another couple of mirror sites there. So that even when they're downloading, you can spread it around from different ones, and that way I don't use up all my space in the month. Um, and there's always new stuff going up all the time. And there will be even more coming up shortly with a, a new site 
um, that's going to be a little bit different um, with with uh, transcripts available in different languages for Europe. So that's the next step. All right. Well, excellent. I wish you well and uh, keep us informed if uh, anything's happening, and we will uh, be in contact for uh, a return. Yes, thanks for having me on. Thank you. That's Alan Watt, CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com.